Tenakoto Tepano o Aotearoa Unitarian. Tenakoto Tamanahiri. No my higher my. Tene pare karatea ate atua. Tenakoto Tenatato Katoa. Well done. Welcome once again to all from near and far to our virtual sanctuary. Gilb Richard S. Gilbert foreshadows the focus of our worship this morning with my opening words. When we are overwhelmed with the world and cannot see our way clear, when life seems a struggle between tedium and apathy or frenzy and exhaustion, when today seems a punishment and tomorrow a torment. May we find the courage of patience. May we recognize ourselves, courage in ourselves and our companions that is not dramatic, that elicits no fanfare, that commands little notice by the world, that is forgotten and taken for granted. May we learn to, how to cope like those who live one day of pain at a time, who see the long path of suffering and do not despair, who inspire us by their patient courage when we are impatient and afraid. May we know such courage and quietly celebrate its presence among us. So if you have a candle or a chalice, let's light it. We kindle a flame of, we kindle a flame we trust will lead us forward as we travel in unknown land. Where the question, shall I ever get there, resounds. A clear, pure note in every silence. I light, my, I light my virtual candle for all of us in New Zealand, for everyone in Australia, for everyone around the world as we deal with a whole different virus, really. Um, and the challenges it's presenting. I'm grateful to live in a country where we're taking it seriously from the very first case we identified. But even so, um, we're not through it by any means yet. So, um, And the other is that we can come together like this. You know, it's wonderful to see your faces, boosts my mood, and you know, gives me a focus for my week as I prepare to see you again. Okay. Well, let me move to the reading. It's entitled, 
it's all too much. An essay on circuit breakers, empty buckets, and the shame show of social media by Nadia Bowles Weber. She writes, I used to live in a very old apartment building with super sketchy electrical wiring. If I were to audaciously assume my hairdryer could run while my stereo was on, I would once again find myself opening the gray metal fuse box next to the refrigerator and flipping the breaker. My apartment had been built at a time when there were no electric hair dryers and the system shut down when modernity asked too much of it. I think of that fuse box often these days because friends, I just do not think our psyches were developed to hold, feel and respond to everything coming at them right now every tragedy, injustice, sorrow, and natural disaster happening to every human across the planet in real time, every minute of every day. The human heart and spirit were developed to be able to hold, feel, and respond to any tragedy, injustice, sorrow, or natural disaster that was happening in our village. So my emotional circuit breaker keeps overloading because the hardware was built for an older time. And yet when I check social media, it feels like there are voices saying, if you aren't talking about doing something, then you are irredeemably callous, privileged, bigot, who is part of the problem. And when I am someone who does actually care about human suffering and injustice, someone who feels every picture I see and story I read, it leaves me feeling like absolute shit. I am left with wondering, am I doing enough sacrificing enough? Am I doing enough sacrificing enough, giving enough, saying enough about all the horrible things right now to, to think of myself as a good person and subsequently silence the accusing voice in my head? No, the answer is always no. No, I'm not, nor could I. Because no matter what I do, the goal of enough is just as far as when I started. And yet, doing nothing is hardly the answer. So I wanted to share something with you. Every day of my life, I ask myself three discernment questions. What is mine to do? And what's not mine to do? What's mine to say? And what's not mine to say? And the third one is harder. What's mine to care about? And what's not mine to care about? To be clear, that is not to say that it is not worthy to be cared about by someone 
only that my effectiveness in the world cannot extend to every worthy to be cared about event and situation. It's not an issue of values. It's an issue of maths. So I try to remember, one, we are still living through a global pandemic. That means the baseline of anxiety and grief is higher than ever shared by everyone. Two, the world is literally and metaphorically on fire. But three, I only have so much water in my bucket to help with the fires. The more exposure I have to the fires, I have no water to fight. The more likely I am to get so burned and inhale so much smoke that I cannot help anymore with the fires close enough to fight once my bucket is full again. So I try and tell myself that it is okay to focus on one fire. It's okay to do what is yours to do. Say what your say what's yours to say. Care about what's yours to care about. That's enough. If immigration reform is yours to do, if it's a the fire you have water to throw on, thank you. And that is enough. There will be voices saying, but what about climate change? You don't care that the planet is dying. Turn that shit out. I mean, you could turn around and ask the environmentalists next door why they heartlessly don't care about immigrants. But there is no percentage in that. Instead, we could be so grateful for the people who are called to work on and respond to worthy issues that are not fires we ourselves are equipped to put out. I'm not saying we should put our head in the sand. I'm saying that if your circuits are overwhelmed, there's a reason. And the reason isn't because you are heartless. It's because there is not a human heart on this planet that can bear all of what is happening right now. So thank you for being a person who cares about and responds to animals or the environment or immigration or domestic violence or any of the other worthy to be cared about shit shows we are in the midst of right now. Just thank you. And then she offers a prayer for today. I've modified it to be acceptable to Unitarian ears. Dear spirit of life, I'm sad to inform you that the planet is on fire and there's a global pandemic that goes on and on and takes more and more from us. Haiti has been decimated once again. Afghanistan and last week scientists said some pretty depressing stuff about our planet. It's all a bit much right now. I don't want to feel numb, but sometimes I do, except for when I'm having random level nine responses to a level two situation. I mean, it's humbling to admit that yesterday I shouted FFS unabridged at the guy with the painfully and unnecessarily loud muscle car in front of my apartment. I'll try to bless him, although it's not easy. Please just show me what is mine to do because otherwise I will feel horrible not doing everything or callous for just doing nothing. 
So give me grace for myself and others. Also, everyone is understaffed right now. So grant me patience with every clerk and delivery driver and customer service rep. And when I and when all I can do is stop during the day and place my hand on my heart and acknowledge all these heavy realities, may it count as prayer. Help me to know when there is water in my bucket and which fire to throw it on, but also to know when to wait because I'm on empty. Help me to trust that you will give me what I am to give away and to not feel like I must carry water for everyone else. I guess what I'm saying is please show us some mercy and help us to show the same mercy to ourselves and others. It was a long reading, but I thought it was worthwhile. Well, I've entitled my random musing today, Don't Blow a Fuse. Our reading this morning is what has occupied my musings this week. I'm grateful to my former colleague, Glenn Cardi's Facebook post pointing me in the direction of Nadia Bowles-Weber's blog on circuit breakers. I suppose it resonated because of a conversation I had with someone feeling confounded about how to respond to someone who wanted to relitigate an altercation that was years ago. This is the kind of imposition that can blow a fuse when we can barely handle all that is happening now. So this is another message from your Minister for Spiritual Health on how to use a lockdown to your spiritual advantage. Just because we are adhering to the lockdown rules for the common good, it does not mean we have to lock down our growth and transformation. Nadia's blog got my attention right away with her image of a fuse box in her old apartment that wasn't designed to handle the plethora of electrical devices we rely on today. Modernity quickly overwhelmed the fuses. Some of us are old enough to remember it used to be more involved than flipping a switch when we lost power. We had to figure out by trial and error which fuse was blown, remove it, and screw in the right size replacement, which might require a quick run to the hardware store for the ones we need. Using the wrong one could burn the house down. I agree with her, and I quote liberally from her reading, her blog, that our psyches were not developed to hold, feel, and respond to everything coming at them right now. Every tragedy, justice, sorrow, and natural disaster happening to every human across the entire planet in, a real, in real time, every minute of every day. The human heart and mind were developed to be able to hold and feel and respond to any tragedy, injustice, sorrow, or natural disaster that was happening in our village. 
I also agree that when, when she says, and yet when I check social media, I feel like there are voices saying, if you aren't talking about doing something about performatively posting about fill in the blank, then you are irredeemably callous, privileged bigot who is part of the problem. Nadia offers this spiritual advice so as not to blow a fuse. Know what's mine to do and what's not mine to do. What's mine to say and what's not mine to say. And the third one is harder. What's mine to care about and what's not mine to care about. So I try to remember with her that we live in hard times. And yes, the world is on fire. And we only have so much water in our bucket. The more exposure I have to fires, I have no water to fight. So I try to remember that and not beat myself up that I can't fight all of the fire. And to remember that's enough. One of the things I want you to care about during our lockdown is finding the courage to live without fear. Series of dreams. I woke up knowing what I was supposed to do with my life. I was going to speak to the locks. At a party once, I was telling a friend about Ike's, a restaurant in a neighborhood by the railroad tracks. Like Ike's serves the best chili cheeseburger in the state. From the outside, it looks like a dive. But inside, you might find see the mayor, construction work crews, a college professor, and bikers with jailhouse tattoos. You would also see black, white, and Hispanic people. A mix you don't see many places around here. My friend jumped in. I know just where that neighborhood is. My mother used to make us lock the car doors when we drove through there. And she would step on the gas to get through fast. He, he grinned. We were supposed to lock the doors by sneaking our fingers up to the button and pressing it down gently so it didn't make noise. My sister would lunge across the seat and pound on the lock, pound the lock down, and Mama would hiss at her. Not that way. You'll hurt their feelings. I think about the new road in the middle of town, that the new road barely touches the neighborhood that had had a bad reputation in the 40s and 50s. I still wouldn't want to walk there alone, drunk at three in the morning, but going through at 50 miles an hour is surely as safe as 50 miles an hour anywhere. I know someone who reaches stealthily to lock the car doors when they turn onto that road. What do people think is going to happen? Some wild-eyed person might charge their rolling car, wrench the door open and do unspeakable things. Wild-eyed people grab you when your car is stopped, not when it's going full speed. In my old suburban neighborhood, 
I was street captain one year, which meant I had to go door to door collecting monthly levies for neighborhood improvements. I rang the bell and in a minute, I heard locks being unlocked from the inside, sometimes two or three of them. People cracked open the door enough to look out, fearfully with one eye, they watched too much TV. I couldn't figure out why they would imagine that there were roving gangs of folks out to invade their homes. My friend Jake lives in a downtown neighborhood that is bad by anyone's standards. He sees a couple of crack houses from his front yard, yet he told me that on several occasions, he's gone camping and left the front door open for 24 hours. Open, like unlocked, I asked. No, he said, standing wide open. Nothing inside was touched. Here, you mostly have to look out for being shot or stabbed by someone in your own family. No one bothers strangers much. Here's what I'm thinking. We're scared of the wrong things. We lock our car doors and take our kids home to where the guns are. We tell them all about being wary of pedophile strangers, and we forget to tell them about protecting themselves from uncles and cousins. We don't let our neighbors into our lives, so there is no one to turn to when we're in trouble. We're scared of people, don't want to know them, and worry that they want to rob or rape us, but we don't want to hurt their feelings. Isolation is greatly to be feared, but our fears keep us alone. Ignorance is greatly to be feared, but our fears keep us at home, associating only with folks of our same nationality, class, and color. Looking like a fool is greatly to be feared, but our fears keep us silent when we should speak up and make us talk too much when we should be quiet. So we end up looking like fools after all. Our fears keep us from bending, growing, changing in supple ways. Our fears lock us down into a experience tomorrow from our bones and leaves us dried up husks and safe homes with satisfactory retirement funds. Yeah, we're all scared of the wrong things. That kind of lockdown doesn't last just a few weeks. It's for life. Use this lockdown to seek ways to unlock our psyches that separate us from one another. Look for ways to be connected, even from the safety of our bubble. There is one way we are reminded that we are all in the same waka. It is the 1 p.m. daily briefing from the Beehive. It's apparently more popular than whatever the newest offering on Netflix is. Tara Ward writes in the spinoff, one of the biggest local series of 2020 returned unexpectedly last week. And early reviews suggest that 2021 season might be the most popular yet. 
lockdown is back. And where should we turn amid all the chaos and worry? Why, IMBD, of course, the online database that lets viewers write reviews of their favorite television shows and movies, including the 1 p.m. daily Beehive press conference. Just as in 2020, viewers have taken to IMDB to review 1 p.m. daily update, like it's the latest blockbuster television series. The afternoon press conference is no longer just a delivery of information about the government's response to the COVID-19 outbreak, but a must-see thriller that pulsates with unexpected cliffhangers and emotional moments. It's the drama we all need in our lives, despite it already being very much in our lives. As of 24 August, five days ago, 1 p.m. daily update had 246 viewer reviews on IMDb. One of the reviews would be the envy of any new streaming service limited series. Set in a dystopian world where autocratic and populist leaders are in charge of the USA, China, UK, Brazil, and many other nations. 1 p.m. daily update takes place in the imaginary island nation of New Zealand a utopian society where science, facts, strong leadership, and a genuine care for its people and environment take precedence over money and big business. I invite you to use this time to give yourself permission not to blow a fuse. You will not shed light on a challenge on a challenging world, if you do. I invite you not to use the lockdown to lock yourself away from others. I trust you can find the courage to conquer your fears. It's now time to extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. And I've selected some writings by Victoria Safford, who's a, a UU minister I've come to really appreciate. She's written a great deal and uh, her words I found appropriate for today, our time today. Here is where I found my voice and chose to be brave. Here's a place where I forgave someone against my better judgment. And I survived that. And unexpectedly, amazingly, I became wiser. Here's where I was once forgiven, was ready for once in my life to receive forgiveness and to be transformed. And I survived that also. I lived to tell the tale. This is the place where I said 
no more loudly than I thought I ever could. And everybody stared. But I said no loudly anyway, because I knew it must be said. And those staring settled down into harmless, ineffective grumbling. And over me, they had no power anymore. Here's a time, and here's another, when I laid down my fear and walked right on into it, right up to my neck, into that roiling water. Here's where cruelty taught me something. And here's where I was first astonished by gratuitous compassion and knew it for the miracle it was, the requirement it is. It was a trembling time. And here, much later, is where I returned the blessing, clumsily. It wasn't hard, but I was unaccustomed. It cycled around as best I could. I sent it back on out, passed the gift along. This circular motion around and around has no apparent end. Here's a place a murky puddle where I have stumbled more than once and fallen. I don't know yet what to learn there. On this site, I was outraged and rage sustains me still. It clarifies my scene. And here's where something caught me, a warm breeze in late winter, birdsong in late summer. Here's where I was told that something was wrong with my eyes that I see the world strangely. And here's where I said, yes, I know. I walk in beauty. Here's where I began to look with my own eyes and listen with my ears and sing my own song, shaky as it is. Here is where, if by surgeon's knife, my heart was opened up. And here, and here, and here, and here. These are the landmarks of conversion. So I thought maybe to put you into groups to talk about how are you using lockdown to your spiritual advantage? And what keeps getting in your way? 